Bonsoir. How are you, dear friends? We are building the most inspiring and phenomenal communities of wine lovers. As we all know, wine is the catalyst of the greatest discussion. We'll be talking wine, but of course food, and everything that touches all our nation and senses. Dear friends, bienvenue sur JCB Live. Today I'm going to take my French accent a little more. As you can see, I'm wearing the divine aristocratic flag of the Duke of Burgundy, where I was born and raised. Today we're going to be traveling a long way, over 7,000 miles, from Napa Valley to my home little village of Burgundy. We will be perusing that fabulous place, the anchor of the finest wines in the world, Pinot Noir and of course Chardonnay, and meet the irresistible, talented, charming, flamboyant, and historically savvy Jean-Francois Curie. Jean-Francois is my friend of over 30 years, manages all the destiny of our French little empire, and of course, loves my sister, with passion, dedication, devotion, and deep care and love. I cannot think of anyone better to represent the history of Vougeot, the Chateau du Clos Vougeot, the famous Chevalier du Tastevin, and give you a tour of one of the most historical Vatican of wine ever built in history. Please welcome, dear friends, Jean-Francois. You look fabulous throning on this beautiful chair. I'm envious. And you, Jean-Charles, I love your attire, your burgundy attire. I want one like this. So, Jean-Francois, you are in a magical place. Here is the most important part of the chateau, probably this is the barrel cellar. We call it the cellier, the grand cellier. And a few things which are very special to this room. First, it was built again in the 12th century. It's very important to understand. And we didn't touch it almost, except maybe the lamps. But everything else was exactly the same when the monks built it in the 12th century. So, because it was a barrel cellar, and it was filled up with about 1,500 barrels every time. They had to keep it cool a bit. And uh, for that, maybe you, maybe you can see that the soil level, the ground level, is about at the window level. So it is sunny underground cellar. So that the freshness, the coolness of the soil we keep that room cool and chill. And on the ceiling, the bows uh, are covered. The wood is covered with about one meter of uh, herbs and herbs, which, which is a kind of natural isolation system. So this space was really made for cooling, to keeping, for keeping the barrels cool and fresh from the harvest time, say September, 
for one year of aging in adult. Here? No. So here you have what is the uh, signature of the confrérie, jamais en vain, toujours en vain. So never in vain, always in wine. That's our signature. It means a lot. It means obviously, uh, it's always worth having wine. Enter the kitchen of the chateau. This kitchen is a piece of art as well. Look, look at the size of the chimney. When you read, when you read the books from the monks, they say they were able to roast two beefs at once in this chimney. So there were about 200 people living and working in this room, in this chateau. So, of course, they had to prepare meals for a large number of people. So this chimney is not the size they need by the Il faudrait rentrer dedans pour qu'on voit la taille. So if you want to see how deep and how tall it is, I'm just inside the chimney cell and plenty of room left. Okay. But this this is the, uh, the kitchen where it was when the monks were living in the chateau. Now, because as I told you, we have a lot of celebrations, with dinners, with tastings, uh, we need a proper kitchen, a bit more modern. And now I will let you discover our kitchen uh, and our tea is the chef Stéphane Flory. daily consumption, they need a lot of water. And as we are on the bedrock, it was a very, very difficult task to dig into 20 meters of rock to get water. And this well is a piece of art where you see it's been dug in 1200 soil. And if you look inside, you will see how deep it is and where the water is in the vineyards. So when we, when we say that the, 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 the roots are sometimes 10 or 20 meters deep, 
Here is a proof. The water is that deep. And when you imagine that the monks in the 12th century, they had to dig these 20 meters of rock with shovel, with manual uh, tools, it was a lot, a lot of work. And obviously, this, uh, this scheme, this, uh, this uh, rotative system was an obvious one to get the, uh, the water up for the needs. So it's a beautiful room, I love it, it's special. So you should. So now we are in the modern kitchen. I told, I introduced you the uh, the kitchen of the monks. And now this is a kitchen we use almost every day because we have about 150 celebrations at the chateau every year. Either dinners, lunches, um, seminars, uh, tastings. So this is the place where they cook for probably up to 1,000 people at once. So here you have. The team, you have our chef Stéphane Ory, Alexandra, his second, who's been working with us for uh, a few years now, and uh, yeah. Léa, so she's helping. So tonight, as you see, uh, Arnaud told us about how beautiful it will be, only less than 20 people tonight, so a very, very uh, secretive experience, and the chef has cooked today. Can you tell us what the, uh, the menu tonight? Quel est le menu? Ce soir, on nous avons une euh, truite marinée en apéritif. Après, nous avons un saumon au fenouil avec des artichauts et une petite ratatouille. Very nice. Ça, c'est la, la préparation. OK. Et après, nous avons un casigo avec des pommes de terre fondantes, des tomates farcies avec une duxelle de champignons et des, tomates, des carottes glacées. Great. And cheese, obviously. Ouais, fromage. Et dessert, nous avons donc euh, un opéra où on va chercher. Ok. Donc un opéra, une petite tartelette framboise, une crème vanillée, une crème euh, mousseline légère avec une purée de fruits rouges en dessous. Wow, thank you, chef. It is stunning. We, we cannot wait and uh, enjoy this dinner again with friends. Thank you very much. Thank you. Here you can see what is the Tastevin. It's a beautiful collection of old uh, antique Tastevin. And you understand that Tastevin is not only a beautiful uh, piece of art, really, but it was very useful to taste wine because you can, in, in a cellar, for instance, a, a cellar master would use a Tastevin for racking, for tasting in a cellar without risk of breakage because it was made out of um, silver. And it was easy to clean, easy to put in a pocket. So it was really a tool, and it still is, the tool of the guard, of the cellar master. He would use a Tastevin every day at any uh, level. Those beautiful tapestries uh, are representing the beautiful vineyards of Burgundy in the, uh, in the fall, when the leaves are turning brown, are turning brown and gold. And uh, they were made, if you can come they were made by a very famous Burgundian artist called Michel Tourlière, and uh, he created some of the most beautiful tapestry in the uh, mid-50s, 1950s, and they are obviously made from the very famous manufacturer d'Aubusson.
So this is probably the most impressive building of this chateau. This is exactly where the monks started to make wines in literally the late 12th century, 900 years ago. They built this winery, which was, which was very clever because as you can see, the soil is slightly down to the place where we are now so that the juice and the water can flow down. It was also a very special system of gates which they would open or close depending on the weather so that they can cool down or eat up a little bit the winery for the fermentation. The presses, you have four presses like this one here at each corner and this, these presses would press four tons of grapes each at a time. So they were really uh, made at a very high scale for Burgundy standards because the estate was 50 hectares, so they needed to vinify properly at the, at the right time. So they needed four presses like this one. And obviously, the roof itself is like a vessel. It's a beautiful piece of architecture. And we do think that the, the wood used to make this roof is about... 800, 900 years old, it, it really means a lot. They, they used, at that time, and we still do, they used wooden vats for fermentation. And those fermentation vats are all around the chateau, all around the winery, and would represent the quantity we need to vinify 50 hectares. I'm toasting with you with the JCB 21, which is the Cremant de Bourgogne we produce. Describe us where you are in that beautiful room. Well, in fact, I'm very pleased and very honored, by the way, to, uh, to welcome you inside the very heart of the Chateau de Claude Bougeau, where the Confrérie des Chevaliers du Tassevin, which, which is now the owner of this beautiful place, which I will let you discover later, it's where the Chevalier du Tastevin Grand Conseil would meet and would uh, decide all the various um, events, the various people who will uh, welcome in our new, in our brotherhood. And this is a place which is very full of emotion, full of memories as well. And I wanted you to discover this private room, which is not open to public normally. And I feel it's the right place to explain you what is the Chateau du Claude Bougeau now but also what is the history of the chateau, which is a well, very... And I think that's a perfect time as you're sitting under this incredible painting. Jean-Francois, dear friends, is the Grand Consul, the man who runs with a few, happy few, this incredible 
organization which was created in 1934. So Jean-Bosois, give the history maybe for everybody of the Chevalier du Testava because it's very unique in the world of wine. It is, it is. In fact, what happened was uh, in the late 30s, as we all remember, there was a strong economical crisis. And Burgundians, as always, are jovial and very optimistic people. And a group of friends in Puy Saint-Jean, not far from Peugeot, decided to do something. And what they did was very simply creating public relations. What they said was, we cannot sell our wines because there is a crisis worldwide. If we cannot sell them, bring them together with friends. So they decided to invite people all over the world uh, to come and join them in the Saint-Georges at the beginning, in 34, in a beautiful cellar, because in, uh, in Burgundy we have a very strong underground life, as you all know. And uh, in a cellar, they invited maybe a, a few dozens to Southwest in November 1934, as you said. And from there, they expanded, and people were coming more often to Burgundy to just enjoy the wines, enjoy the food, enjoy the songs, enjoy the the joy of living in Burgundy. And step by step, they became famous, they became uh, attractive. And then uh, the Confrère des Chevaliers du Sastrain was born. Unfortunately, the uh, Second, War, Second World War happened and they had to shut down a bit their activities for a few years. But thanks to American friends, they were able to reinstall their activities right after the war in uh, 46, by the way, and then uh, reorganized their tastings, their dinners, their jovial happenings. And, and it's the reason why we're here in this chateau today, they managed to acquire this chateau, which was happily for sale in 1947. They became the owners and the, the uh, legators of this beautiful place. And I will tell you more about this story of this place later. But it's, it's a very um, uh, pride, it's a mission, it's also a duty, because this place is, a, is full of, of uh, symbols, full of history. So the Chevalier de la Sauvignon is a brotherhood, is, is an association, obviously a non-lucrative association. So our goal is to let people discover the beauties of Burgundy, the wines, the food, the living, and this is our mission. Well, that's a fabulous mission. So explain us how it is organized because you play a very big role in the brotherhood. When we say brotherhood, it includes ladies as well, of course, right? That's one of those French language uh, mistakes. When we say confrère, we also say consoeur. So brothers and sisters are, of course, welcome. We have about 12,000 members all over the world now. About 5,000 in the US only, which is a strong contingent, as you would agree. And we only have, for the timing, maybe 20, 25% female audience. But every year, we have more and more uh, women enjoying wine, enjoying Burgundy. And our goal as uh, the Grand Consul, as the Grand Conseil, I'm sorry, is to increase that, that figure. We want to have as many women enjoying wine as we love. Well, talking about women, Jean-François, I want to make a toast to all the wonderful women of Burgundy because we are enjoying, you and I, a few thousand miles away, the wonderful yeah. Bourgogne Chardonnay Les Ursulines, which, right. you know, is the home of 
the Jean-Claude Boisset Winery, where we founded the winery in 1961, and it was an old convent. It was, yeah. In really a, lot, a lot of places, a lot of buildings, like maybe it's a good opportunity for me to talk about why and, and who built this beautiful place. They were the monks of Sito. Sito is a little village not far from here, about 10 kilometers southeast in the, uh, in the, in the plain of, uh, of the Son River. And in the late 11th century, 900 years ago, the monks of Sito created this abbey because they came from Cluny, which is another very famous abbey in the Maconnais region. And they flew because they felt Cluny was getting too diverted, too, uh, too firm. They wanted to a bit more austerity. So they wanted an ascetic life. So they built a new abbey in Sito, as I said, in a swamp area, the swampy area. And just a few years after, they needed stone to build their abbey. And they found stones in the carrier, in the choir, uh, which is in Vujo, by the way, in this village, in, on, the, on top of the hills of Vujo. And step by step, they discovered that that place is not only good for stones to build abbeys, churches, and chapels, but it's also good, it's also good for growing vines. And they needed vines because they need wine to celebrate the mess, to celebrate the office, obviously, in a Christian. In a Christian uh, Celebration, we need wine, which is the... Very <laughs> important. This is the necessity of life. Absolutely. So they managed to, with, ex with experience, they, they, they managed to build a, a very, um, a very a significant estate around the chateau. And it was enough for their needs, for the needs of the office, but also for the needs of gifts, for the needs of daily consumption. And step by step, they built what is now the Clos de Bougeau Vignard, which is about 50 hectares. It was exactly the same size in the 12th century when they really managed to build this estate in the uh, mid 12th century. It was about the same size as today. Quite amazing. So, dear friends, it's 125 acres of yes. Grand Cru red wine, which is very unique. But there is, at the entrance of the chateau, a white wine that is very famous, of course, that is called the Domaine de la Vougeray, Clos de Vougeot. That is a premier cru that was the altar wine of the monks who celebrated, in fact, in that very same room where you are. Probably, yes, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, this room, and maybe uh, we can explain, and I will show you when we tour the chateau, this room in the, is in the, Renaissance ale, which is in fact, which dates back to the 16th century, when the uh, one of the abbey of Tito, one of the uh, of the, uh, the managing abbey, uh, decided to build next to the winery, which is for later, next to the winery, he wanted to have a Renaissance style chateau for welcoming guests, for showing off a bit more the power of the monks in the uh, 16th century. So this room, as we are now today, is part of this Renaissance air of the chateau. Jean-Bonsoir, I need to give you a confidence that you probably already know and have heard. You know, Nathalie, my lovely sister, yeah. and I were very good friends with the guard of the chateau. And oh, yes, the children, 
So we played in the chateau as kids from the age of roughly five years old till today, you know, 45 years later. And I need to confess in front of the monks, the Cistercian monks, and I'm doing that right need, now. I had my first kiss in the very same room where you are right now, next to the fireplace on the other side. And it Look was a you. secret kiss with a lovely, Not charming the lady. What is a monk? Yeah, what is a monk? Maybe you want to explain there's the white monk and the black monk as well. So two different orders, right? In fact, in fact, good point. In fact, they were, in fact, the, the monks, the, the, the proper monks, the, the Cistercians, we call them the Cistercians, they were, their, their, uh, their, their motto, as you say, I guess, was aura et labore, which means pray and work. But as a good, as good, uh, as good uh, Christians, maybe, they also helped other work for them. So they prayed, but other people worried for them, and they were the moines convert. So they were, they wore a, a, a brown, uh, a brown robe, a brown attire, and they were called the frères convert. So the monks themselves, they had the white attire, and the monks, who we call the moines convert, wore a, a kind of a dark. And that's the reason why I have this suit today. It's exactly the color they had by then. Well, you look like a perfect monk, except the hairline, which is still beautiful and and full of gold. Like the lovely wine we're drinking. So, Jean-François, I wanted to make sure we pick this wine in honor of the Ursuline order from the 17th century. And our sellers date back from 1640, dear friends. And to the sisters, because we talk a lot about the monks in the history of Côte d'Or and Burgundy, but the sisters did as well a very good job. So I want to raise my glass to all the wonderful ladies who've helped to craft and make Burgundy what it is today, because it's not just a story of men and monks, it's as well sisters, and both really created the magic of what Burgundy is about. So cheers to that, Jean-Francois. Cheers to them. Thank you. So Jean-Francois, before we tour the chateau, I'd like you to explain us those beautiful robes you wear, which we could see on that picture, and beautiful painting. And how do you bring people into the society, into the confrérie, and how do you induct them? Because it's a very unique moment. It is. In fact, to, be, to become a member, to become a chevalier of our brotherhood, what you need is first a love for Burgundy. Uh, not only for Burgundy wine, also for the Burgundy culture, history, food, people, obviously. That's a, that's a very important thing to mention, because it's not just a social club, it's also a passion, it's about passion. So when you have this passion, you need to find two sponsors, two friends, uh, who are already members of the Conferie, and who would, who would testify your love, your passion for Burgundy, and your weakness to become an ambassador for our region. Then you would apply, thanks to your two sponsors, you would apply to the Grand Conseil, and probably twice a year, we would review the, uh, the applications and decide who is, uh, who is uh, uh, um, ready to become a chevalier. And then we organize around 15 events every year, what we call the chapitre, chapters, 
And it's a, it's a celebration when we welcome the new members when they have been agreed to become a Chevalier. Our Grand Maître would tell a few words about their background, their culture, their uh, ambition to become a true Burgundian. And then he would pass on around their neck the, uh, the, the testament itself with a red and yellow ribbon. The one you see on this picture, which shows your, uh, your belonging to the confrérie. And then when you are a member of the confrérie, you, of course, you spend the whole night and the, the dinner and you spend the, the celebration together with your friends. And it's about 500 to 600 people for these uh, celebrations. And then you can also meet where, wherever you, you live. You can also meet other chevaliers. If you're in the US, you have different chapters in, uh, in various states of the USA, but also in Asia, but also in, uh, in Africa, in, uh, in Australia. So you also become part of a, of a wine, Burgundy wine drinkers uh, club or group of fans. Which is and amazing. Story. And we gather at the Chateau du Clovougeau around 16 times a year, five or 600 of us, and have quite a meal, right? It's a, yeah, it's a long, long but funny meal. A lot of wines, a lot of songs, a lot of laughs, and of course, beautiful food. Which I love, it's really the United Nations of wine, and we bring every continent together, as diverse as we are around the world, as different tastes and cultures and food, and we bring everybody together in that magical historical place where wine was aged and we enjoy life. And I think this is what life is, Jean-François, isn't it? When we reflect after the months we've lived, isn't it all about Absolutely. friends sitting at the table and having a good time? Absolutely. You cannot imagine how many uh, informal meetings were held in, in this chateau. Uh, from different countries, from different cultures, and people are celebrating, as you said, the uh, passion for sharing something very, very special. So it's a place which has a lot of diplomatic background as well. A lot of ambassadors, a lot of people came here and just met in different atmospheres. It's magic. And, you know, you bring goosebumps to me because as you are in the same room adjacent to this room is where I was inducted 32 years ago. I just had turned 18. I believe it was the chapter of the harvest and I was inducted at the age of 18 and I've been now a Chevalier for 32 years. So quite exciting as well. How many years have you been part of it? I was inducted in 1989, I'm afraid. A bit older than 18 years old, but not, not that much. And since then, uh, I was very loyal and, uh, and a faithful chevalier. And something you should know, and you will probably become very soon, because you're getting aged, uh, you'll become probably soon a commander, because in fact, we have three layers. When you start, you are a chevalier, and, uh, and if you are um, uh, really coming to the chateau with different celebrations after a few. The next stage. And when you get 
or a very, very frequent breaker in the chateau, you become a grand officier. Very few grand officiers worldwide are, are inducted every year. So that means I need a little more gray hair in order to become yes. a grand officier. <laughs> so, uh, Jean Yeah, Jean gray hair and the bun. Your father was obviously very active in the confrérie. Your mother is an incredible lady who loves Burgundy food and who's written many cookbooks. Describe to us before we tour, what is your passion and how did you get into the world of wine? Yes. Uh, so yeah, thank you for mentioning that because uh, it's a very special place personally for me too because my father was a member of the Grand Conseil for decades. And, uh, and of course, he helped the Gulf Bay to grow and to be what it is today. And as you said, my mother wrote a, a cookbook on Burgundy recipes. So uh, yeah, we have a, a strong Burgundy uh, blood in her veins, yeah. And, and, and you were born in a small village very close by. Yeah, I was born in a, in a village called Fissin, which is next to Gevray-Chaubertin, and uh, which is a very, uh, very nice small village. We like to think the wines of Fissin uh, taste as good as Gervais-Chambertin, Premier Cru and Grand Cru. And uh, there as well, because again, the sessions were very uh, um, dynamic. Uh, there is a, 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 what you call it, a, a Perrière, a place where the monks were living. It's called La Perrière. It's, it's about the same age as this chateau. So 15th, 16th century. What is incredible as well is Jean-Francois was born in a beautiful house next to the famous Fissin gorgeous church. And just below the famous Francois Rude sculpture of Napoleon because Napoleon loved Fissin Gevray-Chambertin and Francois Rude, the famous sculptors born in Burgundy and raised in Burgundy, uh, did that beautiful sculpture. So you feel the monks, Jean-Francois, you feel the king because you have a Claude yeah. Dubois not far away and you feel the emperor of France. So you're really well surrounded. Absolutely. You mentioned Napoleon, but obviously we have the emperor is next to, to uh, Vujo and to Fissin as well. Absolutely. You're right. So Jean-Francois, tell us why all your life you've dedicated to wine this way food and burgundy. What was your drive, your inspiration, yourself as an individual to do so? Well, in fact, to be honest with you, uh, I, I think I had little choice because it was in my blood, uh, because my grandparents were already one merchants and especially producing sparkling wines in Louis saint what we call now Crenon de Bourgogne. So, uh, and in, in family gatherings, wine was part of the, of the celebration. Was on the table every, I hate to say every day, but certainly every weekend, every Sunday, we, we tasted different wines. And uh, so it was a kind of very, very uh, uh, cultural part of my life when I was a student. Most of my uh, internship was, were made in, uh, at the beginning in the vineyards, in the wineries, and then in, uh, in marketing maybe, or in selling in, in wine uh, companies. So it was like, like a destiny. I had little choice. I never really asked myself, what shall I do when I get older? It was, it was an obvious choice for me. It was a destiny. So you believe as early as you give wine to your kids, they will be in the wine world then? Yeah, 
So exactly. you believe, that's what it is. That's, that's right. And that house is very famous in our world because it's called Louis Bouillou. That's it. Absolutely. That was my grandfather. Quite amazing because one of the first ever to produce dear friends, Clément de Bourgogne, and really the beginning as early as 1877. So we're talking about the latter part of the 19th century, really making stellar, phenomenal sparkling as good and sometimes even better than champagne, naturally. So, Jean-Bonsoir, uh, you believe in destiny, right? Yes. So, do you feel the place you are was made to become what it is today, which is really the anchor of Pinot Noir in the world? I believe so. I strongly believe so. And to be honest with you, when you, and I'm sure because you live next, uh, next door, really, uh, when, you, when you enter the chateau, when you enter even the gate of the chateau, uh, there is a very special energy. There is a special uh, sound, which you feel, even if you're not religious as such, you feel there is a, a strong Holy Spirit in this place. So I believe the monks were very, very uh, uh, sensitive to this, this spirit, obviously. And the reason why they built the chateau right here is not at random. It's because it was next to the stone carrier, but also because there was a special, a special spirit in this place. And I'm sure many people, if not all people, visiting the chateau and the vineyards around would feel the same. Uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, goosebumps, but I feel I think you feel a very special uh, sensation when you come here. As you're describing it, I'm seeing myself coming in because indeed I was born, dear friends, 500 meters away from the chateau, and it has been my daily view since birth and. This is a very unique place. And maybe we should ask Jean-Francois, maybe to describe those 125 acres that are surrounded by walls and what do they mean to the wine world? Because this is the beginning of the Grand Cru. Absolutely. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, the, the monks, when they established their vineyards in the uh, mid 12th century, they built, very quickly, they built walls around the vineyards not only to, to defend themselves from, from potential uh, attacks, but they felt that they should, they should create what we call a clue, which is now a very, very special word for, for Burgundy, uh, Burgundian climate, Burgundian parcels. And they created this clue because they felt it was exactly uh, what the Burgundy soil is about. In this clue, you find all the way from the what we call the uh, the western part of the chateau of the vineyard, on the upper side of the vineyard, of the vineyard, you will have a very deep, a very uh, a very strong uh, mother rock, uh, bedrock. So the meaning that the vines are literally digging into the rock to get to get water. So they dig maybe five, ten, twelve meters in some stage. That's the western part of the chateau, and if you take the the, the eastern part, which is a bit more flat, you have uh, deeper soil where you have a bit more water. And they felt, they probably felt, and it's true now, uh, that to produce a wine, you need different soil, you, you need different, um, um, different uh, atmospheres. And to produce a good wine like Claude de Bougeau is, a Grand Cru like Claude de Bougeau, you need a variety of soils which the Claude de Bougeau offers today. And 
it has been known for many, many years, of course, that we satisfy the Pope, the King, the monks. Maybe you want to explain three circles that have always been intertwined in the history around the chateau that really defines where's the best place in the chateau. Well, there's a true, a true story and a, and a fake story. The, the fake story would mean that the, the, lesser, uh, the lesser good parts would be for the monk, for the frère convert, I mentioned that earlier, the, 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 the workers of, the, of the, the monks. So they would offer the wine to the workers. Uh, and then you have the, uh, the meat part of the chateau, that would be for the priests. And the best part, which is most of the time the upper part of the chateau or the vineyard, would be for the Pope. That's the, uh, the official story. But the true story we think and we believe strongly is they would keep the best part for themselves. <laughs> well, that's, as Saint Bernard used to say, wine is a gift from heaven and the fruit of people's work. So the monks were doing the work, so they deserve maybe the best parts. <laughs> that's why, you know, I, I, for a long time, as my sister, I'm sure, told you, I hesitated to become a monk. And uh, when I came to that famous room and I had my first kiss, I knew I not the destiny I was eventually going forward for. But surely, Jean-Charles, on your words, one of my dreams would be, would, be, would be to become a monk, but just for one year, to see ah. the very season, and then that's over. But can you, can you manage even 365 days as a monk? I'm not sure. It's a, it's, a, it's a challenge. I'm not sure. So within that dream, how would you live it as a monk? What would you reflect on? Well, probably, probably more uh, following the nature, the, the seasons, the natural, natural seasons, which is all about the vineyard cycle, uh, which, which is probably something we are all missing in some ways. Nature. Uh, so I think, as I told you, their, their, their motto was Ora et Labore. So it, it leaves time to enjoy the, uh, the beauties of, of the season. But how would you manage your needs? Because I know you very well, you have a lot of needs and you, you have a lot of extroversions. How would you deal with right. that? You're right, you're right. So it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, I told you, it's not an easy one. And how many days could you actually live without wine? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's probably the most difficult part of of the uh, of the, the clerical cycle. But they had they had, as I said, they had the best part of the chateau du Clos White for their own use. So it's not a point, in fact, here. So is that the secret you would like to share? There's another one you think would be even more compelling that you want all of us to know now. That well, you, I think the most the most difficult. The most difficult one to achieve, uh, so I will stay with this one today. Hey, by the way, I need to ask you, what is the most fun, unique moment you've ever lived at the Chateau du Clos Rougeau? As we're going to tour now every yeah. room and you're going to show us every stone. Well, is there a memory that you cannot stop thinking about that was the memory of the Chateau? Well, it's probably, uh, I have a few memories and, and a lot of very nice memories, especially when uh, when the famous cell uh, uh, cell players Rostropovich was playing in the yard, that was very very emotional in '89. But anyway, 
one of my very personal secrets in this space here was you mentioned that you had uh, you had a family um, a chateau keeper uh, when you were when you were a kid, but that was during summer uh, because they had vacation. Obviously, these uh, these people. I was a night keeper in the chateau, so that oh. was a beautiful experience because you live alone most of the time, alone in the chateau uh, at night, and it's uh, both exciting, sometimes frightening. But it was a wonderful experience. Did you feel the spirits present? Did you feel the energy of the monks? Absolutely. Absolutely, I did. When you tour the chateau at midnight, you feel there's something. Absolutely. But yeah. I, have a, I have another secret for you. Uh, we, we have uh, decided with the Grand Conseil uh, to, to experiment a new way of discovering the chateau and the beauties of the food and the wines. Uh, we enjoy here at the Chapitre dinners I mentioned earlier. And we have decided to open this chateau to a very few group of people, the maximum of 20 people, 24 maybe, Ooh. for an experience in a lifetime experience. And this secret is, uh, was well kept and has been, uh, has been extended last week. And maybe I should introduce you now to our Intendant General, who is, in fact, the head of this chateau, who runs the chateau on, uh, on an executive, executive uh, role. And he will let you know, and maybe we can tour with him, what is this secret open now? I love it. We you know part of a secret until we first want to see Arnaud. it. Hello, Arnaud. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Très bien, you should meet Jean-Charles, and you will love his beautiful burgundy flag. But I have my Tastevin, and this is much more convenient than what you have because I can put it in my pocket Absolutely. and I can keep it all day long as I'm walking and touring the chateau. So yeah. maybe Arnaud will uh, we'll give you in a few words what's, what's the experience today. Yeah, so, uh, before he does, Jean-Francois, why don't you put a little wine in Arnaud Tastevin? Because the pauvre Arnaud must be very thirsty. Absolutely. Merci, Jean-Charles, de penser à moi. Your health, Arnaud, you know, it's very important you remain irrigated. <laughs> Cheers. Santé. Santé, Jean-Charles. Santé, Jean-Charles. Alors, au château du Clos-Vougeot. Absolutely. We, we are having uh, this toast to you and uh, all your friends that are watching us uh, on your, on your um, live. Um, absolutely. And so tonight is uh, the third edition of what we started last week, which is Un Soir d'été au Claude Bougeot. Uh, how would you a, midnight, a midnight summer dream in the Claude Bougeot, would you say? Yes. Uh, the idea is uh, that people arrive here, maybe 24 people, and they will tour the chateau and eat in the different places at each course, they change the place so that they start in the cuvrie, which is from the 15th century. Then they go to the cellar, which is from the 12th century. And then they tour the courtyard and they finish in the beautiful Renaissance room that we're going to see just now. I'm gonna, just going to show you a few of the tables here. We feel very privileged. Uh, it's absolutely stunning. And, uh, Thank you so much. We are walking with you. 
with our glass of Chambol Musini. I think it's a very great, it's a wonderful imagining. Can you hear? My issue is connection. It's Can you perfect. see? It's beautiful. Tell us about it. This is a okay. dream room. So it's a, maybe we can just have it sit here. Come with me. Uh, yeah, this sure. Wow, look at that romantic moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so this little table, uh, uh, you can imagine just um, uh, uh, you and Jean are sharing uh, a wonderful uh, dinner uh, in front of this uh, 16th century cheminée fireplace and uh, this room uh, almost uh, uh, privatized for you. And obviously, we are lucky enough to have here a chef uh, that has been uh, passing through a few very good houses, including Robuchon or Le Pré-Catelan. And that now is, uh, is producing us, uh, for us tonight, uh, a wonderful uh, dinner. And Arnaud, maybe I will tour with Jean-Charles the kitchen. Oh, exactly. the chef. Like it's, it's fascinating to, to, let, to let people see how the chef's working in this kitchen. Absolutely. We will so be delighted. So, Arnaud, this is a great innovation for the Chateau. This is the new secret that you're starting to do today. So, tonight, in fact, you have Absolutely. a great event. So, we have actually, we have two secrets. Uh, because, you know, when you open a door, you always find another door afterwards. Uh, <laughs> when, when we planified uh, this, this innovation, we, we thought that um, the visitors to Burgundy should be alone uh, to, to, to experience wine pairing with the good food of Burgundy. And actually, we have another room uh, that we are going to go now, yeah. um, uh, which used to be the uh, salle à manger, the dining room of the monks. And in this dining room, we now propose some tasting lunches. It looks like a bit what you got uh, maybe in California. Um, uh, but obviously uh, uh, in a burgundy sauce with red wine sauce. So maybe we should go there. Uh, we should go there. And you well, can come see. and show us. We, we are touring with you. We love it. Let's go. Let's go. We just trust. And, and maybe um, uh, when we're going to just have a look to the staircase. Um, because um, we are in the 16th century part of the chateau. Just have a look in the ceiling. It's just beautiful. You find the stone of the of the of the This is a clay stone. Here you have the uh, coat of arm of the abbot of Cito in fifteen fifty one. You can read uh, maybe fifteen fifty one just yes. on here, okay. and you enter this outstanding dining room that is ready to welcome our visitors. So this is what we call the La Table de Léonce, which is uh, a tasting lunch that we're gonna hold uh, every lunch. And uh, it's like, um, I have uh, the menu here. It's, uh, it's uh, very- uh, How do we reserve? How can we be part of that wonderful oh. experience? This this is online. You we have we have actually a, a, a very nice website, all brand new, um, claudevougeot.fr, 
and and you can find uh, this uh, this information on how to book this experience and you test four or six wines you have a sommelier that explains and you're in this absolutely stunning room uh, with once again this cheminée and if you look at the cheminée I'm sure you know this cheminée but you can see the monks on the tops that are um, teaching um, how to prune the vineyards just have a look up there and and if, if you if you look at this you see two monks that learn from the old books how to prune the vineyards so this is history this is really stunning and and if you do a half turn on on the other side you will see this new obviously you see the vineyard on just here beautiful and another little turn and you have a look to this what we call dessert which is absolutely stunning kind of piece of art from the late 19th century that's right and this has been uh, done by this leons that used to own the chateau in the, in the 19th century so we dedicated this uh, experience to uh, this person and, uh, and we also uh, another 22 and obviously you will have some persillet and some loup de bœuf and some good things to taste with good wine. Well, I love it, Arnaud. I think this is a great innovation and this is a fabulous secret that I was not aware of and I know we will obviously indicate to everybody chateauduclosvougeot.fr so everybody can come and reserve because this is one of a kind experience in the world no one can do that anywhere on the planet but in Vujo. So, congratulations for that. I'm thrilled. And, and another thing that I can tell you as a secret, um, Jean-Charles. That's the third. Monday, today, today uh, the 20th of, um, the 20th of uh, July, we will mm -hmm. have um, a live uh, Facebook live uh, on, the, on, the web, on the Facebook page of the Claude Bougeot with Gauthier Capuçon, the famous cellist, playing in front of the chateau for all the followers of the So I don't know the best was, and he's, he's a friend of us. He comes every year to uh, the music event festival that we have here. And so he's going to do uh, a free concert in front of the chateau, uh, and we will have a, a Facebook Live um, so this is in a, uh, this is happening uh, now. It's very very exciting. You know, before we go in many other rooms, I suggest we all do together the famous Bambourguignon in honor of you for sharing the wonderful new secrets of the chateau, and to do the first bow in this room. Yes, so, friends, I let you because you're the great singers to guide us, hands and up. Please, please join us, all, all of uh, all your friends and listeners, please, in your room, wherever you are, have this bon bourguignon, which signs the joy of enjoying boogie life. One, two, three. La, 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 well, gentlemen, thank you so much. 
for such an amazing tour of the Chateau du Club Bougeot, diving into the history of the Confrérie, the Chevalier du Pastevin, your new secrets, which we cannot wait to experience as well. And we wish you tonight lots of success, a lot of fun, and obviously to make history again alive for the future. <laughs>